that, you know, is the greatest story ever told. Isn't that true? I mean, amen. This is the greatest thing that's ever happened to mankind, the greatest thing that's ever happened in our life. And I get to tell part one, which is kind of the sad part, and Joe gets to tell part two, which is the much happier part, but that's all right. So I'm honored to stand before you today. So let's pray and ask God to bless our town. God, I just pray for a fresh, fresh passion to fall on me and a fresh passion to fall on everyone sitting out there. God, that your spirit would fall on us. That God, that you decided to have mercy on us a long, long time ago. And God, we know this story. We've heard this story proclaimed different ways and at different times. But God, may this be a fresh tale of the love that you have for us. And I pray this all in your precious name. Amen. I want you to think about some things that are good in your life. What are the things that you would say, man, this is inherently good in your life? Because this is what? This is Good Friday. So it would be apparent, you know, to talk about what is good. So what, what is good in your life? And as you're thinking about it, maybe it's, maybe it's your family. Maybe your family is so good in your life. Maybe you have some special friendships that are just awesome. Maybe that's good in your life. Maybe it's your house. Maybe it's your job. There's certain things that are just, man, this is what's good in my life. Go ahead, think about some things that are good in your life. What about some things that aren't so good in your life? What are some things that are maybe even bad in your life? Maybe your family, maybe your friends, maybe your job. Maybe it's the exact same list. And how can that be? How can things be both good and bad at the same time? That's what I want to unpack for you tonight when we look at Good Friday. See, we're going to start out in Mark 10. This is what happens. This is Mark 10, uh, verses 17 through 19. And as he started on his way, this is what it says. A man ran up to Jesus. And, and this is the story of the rich young ruler, the, the, the rich young man. And, you know, we, all the you know, years we've heard this story, you, you've heard it, you know, what is good and things like that. But this is what he says. He says, you know, in Mark 10, 17 through 19, he says, as he was on his way, a man ran up to him and fell at his knees and said, good teacher. That's what he calls Jesus. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And this guy wants to know, hey, you know, how do I get into heaven? Verse 18, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. No one is good except God alone. I've dwelled on that verse for so many times and different phrases in my life. Like, no one is good except God alone. Because Jesus isn't even saying, like, that he's good. He's saying, no, only God is good. Why is only God good? And I, and I want you to think about this because God is good because the motive that he has behind his goodness is always what? It's always pure in your life. It's always righteous. It's always for what's best in your life. That's why God's good. He doesn't have a selfish ambition in his bone for his body for you. No, he wants what's pure and he's righteous for your life. That's why he's good. Only God alone is good. And so as I dwelt on this and I've prayed on this and I've thought about this verse over and over and over again, I've come to this conclusion, and I think you'll agree with me, that only the things that I do for God's glory are good. The only thing good in my life are the things that I do for God's glory. So that's what I told you early on, that what's good in your life? Maybe it's your faith, it's your family, it's your friends. When I'm doing all those things for God's glory, guess what? They're good. 
When I start doing them out of selfish ambition and vain conceit, when I do them for myself, guess what? They become bad. But when I live and, and worship how God wants me to and I am good and I'm doing it for God's glory, then they are good things. With all that in mind, again, with God's pure motives and worshiping him with glory, you know, for pure glory and for his righteousness, I want you to think of this in Genesis 1. I'm going to take you all the way back to there. And this is verse 10 on day 3. It says, God created the dry land. He gathered the waters and he called them seas. And God saw that it was what? It was good. Verse 12, the land produced vegetation, plants, bearing seeds according to their kinds, and trees, bearing fruits with seeds according to their kinds. And God saw that it was what? It was good. God created this world for his glory and out of a pure and a holiness, and it was good. Day four, God sent them to the vault of the sky to give light to the earth. This is the, the sun, the moon, the stars. To govern the day and the, and the night and to separate the light from darkness. And God saw that it was what? It was good. Day five, God made all the wild animals according to their kinds, their livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that moved along the ground and according to their kinds. And God saw that it was what? It was good. Day six, when he's done with everything, God saw in verse 31 that it was what? It was very good. This earth is good. Because why? Because God made it for his glory. And we're good when we glorify him. But the problem is, is that we sin whenever we want, when we do things out of selfish ambition. And we're naturally sinners. And that's why we celebrate today. Because why? Because our God and his great mercy, what, came to earth to die for our sins so that we could be with him. Another time Jesus talked about being good. And this is Matthew 16, 7. He said, very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am what? That I am going away. Jesus says, it's for your good that I'm going away. It's good for you that I'm dying. Because then what? Then you can be with the Father. And, and more importantly than in the second half of this verse, because then, unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit, which is good to have the Holy Spirit convicting us and leading us and guiding us. And Jesus told his disciples, it's going to be good when I go away. Because you're going to receive the Spirit within me. John 17 once says this, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. See, that's exactly what Jesus did. He wanted to glorify God with all that he did. Just like I told you, when we glorify God when all we do, that it's good. But there's just one problem. That just because things are good, it doesn't mean that they're easy. And it doesn't mean that, that we really want to do them. Jesus, you know, epitomizes this in the Garden of Gethsemane. And this is as he's praying, as he knows that he's going to be betrayed. And this is Matthew 26, verse 39. Going a little further, he fell on his face into the ground. And he prayed, Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as what you will. See, it's good that he's going to the cross to die for our, our, our sins, but does he really want to? Does, is he excited about it? Not particularly. And that's how it is in our lives. See, we want things to be good, to be easy. But just because it's not easy doesn't mean that it's not good. 
We epitomize and think that, okay, if it's easy and good, that those go hand in hand, and that's not necessarily true. It can be good and not easy. Verse 42, he, he went a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. Jesus says, whatever you want, God. Whatever is going to bring you glory, that's what I want, even if it's not easy. Further on in the story, this is John 19. Just because things are good and bring God glory doesn't mean that they're not painful as well. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe, and they went up to him again and again saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and they slapped him in the face. Just because things are good doesn't mean that it's not going to be painful. We think that, you know, oh, to be good, it has to be intrinsically good all the time, and that's not true. God is good. And what Jesus is doing is beyond good. It's great. But it can be painful, and it can be painful in our own lives. When we want things to be just painless, that's just not true. Luke 23 is when I take you next. Things can be good, but they can be difficult to understand. Verse 26 in, in, in Luke 23, as the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon of Cyrene, who was on his way from the country, and they put him, him on the cross and made him tarry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including the women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned to them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. Verse 29, for the time will come when they will say, Blessed are the childless women, the wombs that have never borne and the breasts that have never been nursed. Verse 30, then they will say to the mountains, fall on us, and the hills cover us. For if the people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when the tree is dry? Everyone witnessing the acts of this crucifixion, his friends, his family, weren't watching Jesus dying and going, this is good. They were going, this is terrible. I don't understand this. How would God let this happen? This doesn't make any sense. Like, how could you harm this man who only wanted to help people? They had to be thinking over and over again, this isn't good. His disciples himself what, would become cynics like Thomas and go, I, I'm not going to believe in that anymore. I wonder about Peter whenever he's watching this happening. and After he denies him, he's, he's back in his room or wherever he is. Is he going, I should have fought harder. I should have took that sword and fought harder for Jesus. Or do you think I was a moron for trying to save him? What was I doing? Because they're thinking, this is not good at all what's happening. Verse 32, two other men, both criminals, were also led out to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Even as he's suffering, he's what? He wants to give God glory. He says, listen, forgive them, God, for they don't know what they're doing. Show your mercy. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. Verse 35, the people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, if he's the chosen one. Verse 36, the soldiers came up and they mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There's nothing inherently good about what's going on. If, as an outsider, as us looking, you're like, what is going on? 
Verse 38, then a written notice above him which read this. This is Jesus, King of the Jews. Verse 39, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults and said, Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Aren't you the Messiah? Save us. You can do this. Show how good you are. Save us. But that's exactly what Jesus Christ was doing. He was saving us. From what? From our sins. And in the moment, it didn't look good. It looked terrible. But it wasn't just good. It was great. Because of his mercy and his love for us, God died for us. And that's the amazing thing about Jesus Christ, is he can take something as wicked as a cross and redeem it for something good. He can take something as wicked as a human being like me and redeem it and make it good. He can make your sins and your wickedness go away, and he can make it good. Your deepest hurts, your deepest wounds, God can redeem them and make it good. Do you know why? Because he's a good father, and he loves us, and he loves you. And you may be going through a difficult time right now, and you may be thinking, things are bad in my life. God can redeem anything that's going on and make it good. Would you bow your heads with me? God, you are good, and I thank you for that. I thank you for the mercy that you've had on all of our lives. I thank you for the mercy that you had on your creation, that you came to this earth to die for our sins, to pave a way so that we could be right with you. We could never thank you enough. We thank you so much that you're a good, good father. We pray this all in your precious name.